From the courtroom to the tabloids, welcome to All Rise, the podcast that lets you be the jury. All Rise swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Your host, Dylan Howard. Who killed John Bonet? It's perhaps the most compelling murder case of our day. The death of the six-year-old beauty queen that galvanized the nation, and even 21 years after it occurred, the mystery still endures. Who killed the young beauty queen and why? Who is covering up for whom and who is simply lying? There's been a bombshell development that has been announced in the last week, and that is that the Boulder District Attorney has formed a cold case unit to review unsolved homicides, including that of the 1996 slaying of John Bonet Ramsey. We have formed an all-star panel to dissect this very story, and Nancy Grace joins us on the line, as does former New York Police Department detective Bo Dietl and James Robertson, news director of the National Enquirer. First to you, Nancy Grace. This was a stunning announcement from the Colorado District Attorney. Why would they form this cold case unit 21 years after the case, even though the case is still very much an active police investigation? Well, I would probably say uh, a gut reaction to the shaming they have endured over it not being resolved, over formal charges never being issued, and a case that's so highly visible on the forefront of the nation's consciousness. I mean, come on. Uh, what what shot John Bonet Ramsey's case to the forefront, I think, not only was it shocking and it scared parents all over the country, is that at that time there was so much video of her because seeing her walking and talking, people connected to her. So I think now they're scrambling, trying to come up with answers and at least looking, hey, you know, there's, there's a little button that says, Jesus is coming, look busy. Well, I think it's similar here. People are watching, let's look busy. Bo Deedle. To form a cold case, you have long suggested that the cops botched this investigation from day one. Is this cold case unit going to achieve anything? You know, we got 1996. I was uh, fortunate to go out to the house where the little girl was killed. And I've been pretty totally involved with this thing from the beginning, including with the Inquirer people there. where They, they actually sent me out to that house. My opinion from the beginning was when you look at this, how this all occurred, how it was botched up by the district attorney's office from the beginning. And when the, they hired the former, he was a former prosecutor for their lawyer that was getting all the information from the police, whatever the police was doing, the information was being funneled back to them. And then on top of it, where do you get two parents? Your little girl was murdered. They hop on a plane. They go to Georgia and they refuse to talk to the detectives unless they talk to the lawyer and you give them the questions ahead of time and they sit together and answer the questions. From the beginning, this thing was botched up. They should have been separated. There's a lot of things that, that on this case, when they, when this DA of Boulder County there says and comes out and makes a news conference and says, we are now excusing the mother and father and we're saying that they have nothing to do with this murder. That's baloney. I'm a homicide detective. I've always been a homicide detective. Until I arrest the person that committed this murder, 
everyone's a suspect. And they're going by this nonsensical touch DNA that was on the pajamas that meant that anybody overseas in China, wherever it was built, wherever they made these pajamas, someone could have touched that cloth. Touch DNA is not DNA that can be contributed as far as a person being there. And that's the basis of them disavowing the involvement of the mother and father. Now, we saw last week with the sensational arrest of the Golden State Killer a very fascinating set of circumstances. And in that particular incident, you had a woman who was an avid geologist, took her dad's DNA, and through that process, unwittingly helped police investigators find distant cousin Joseph D'Angelo, who now is suspected of killing 12 people and raping 50 women in California during a span of 1978 to 1986. 12 brutal murders. 50 rape and 120 home burglaries because somebody sent their DNA to saliva sample, a buccal sample, it's like a really long Q-tip. You just swab it along your mouth. You send it in, and through the use of familial DNA, all right? And that just got passed because of a dad-daughter murder in New York, familial yep. DNA. That's how they caught the Golden State Killer. 12 yep. murders, and I think there's going to be more. They use they used the DNA from a relative and they can line it up and that was with the famous rape case with the jogger in New York City here. But with That's, that said, yeah. talking about Vitrano, it's Carolina Vitrano that you're talking. Yes, about. and and to be very honest with you, and I I'm just very adamant about the fact of them taking the family and releasing them as being suspect. My point is with the DNA, we didn't have it when I was a homicide detective. My last case was the Palm Sunday massacre, 10 dead, including eight children under the age of 14. This creep I sent away to jail. He just got out. But I got another murder mm-hmm. case where he murdered a woman. She had under her nails, they took some uh, some DNA, not DNA, they took dirt from under her nails. There will be DNA in there. I'm looking to indict this guy in the murder 33 years later on new DNA evidence. My point is DNA is great. It's great for the innocent, and it's also great for the dead, the guilty. So is, is this new breakthrough that helped California authorities nail the Golden State Killer, something that could be reintroduced as part of the Boulder County District Attorney's new cold case unit. Bo? Yeah, I I really believe, you know, what you do is you use relative DNA. My whole problem with this, Nancy, is unless they came in with a white suit with gloves on, they left no DNA, nothing around there. I never said anybody broke in. Nancy, you've, you've you've been very, very pointed here. You said you've not ruled out the mother, but you've ruled out the father, and you've never said an intruder. Am I missing something here, or are you pointing the finger? Another thing that really is a, is a major, major issue for me is the ransom note. True, it's not DNA, but who's sick in the home? Clearly not afraid they're going to be detected with Patsy Ramsey's pad and Patsy Ramsey's writing pen, and they write a practice note and a two-and-a-half-page ransom note that sounds like a fifth-grade girl wrote it, like I have a you. novel. Thank I mean, you, really. Detective, thank you, Detective Grace. Case settles right there. That was the pad she wrote that on, and it was her handwriting consistent with her handwriting, and all of a sudden, that shows up. All these pieces of evidence, you know yourself, Detective Grace. I'll call you Detective Grace, because you are a detective. All this evidence, you line up together, and there's some... There's reasonable doubt in every aspect, but we have to find out who did it. 
Did the mother do it? Did the mother finish it off? What does the father know? Speaking of the father, James Robertson, the news director of the National Enquirer, is here. James, uh, we reached out to John Ramsey in the wake of this uh, Golden State killer arrest and the DNA breakthrough and the establishment of the cold case unit. John Ramsey responded uh, to our national correspondent, Doug Montero. What did he have to say? Well, first of all, uh, John Ramsey was, quote, very pleased that the district attorney was setting up this cold case team. It has been a long time suffering for him, and this is a last straw for him to get some closure. He did tell us that he was always against exhuming John Bonet's remains, despite experts identifying tiny burn-like marks on her body, which were believed to be the result of a handheld stun gun. Now, he always said exhuming his daughter was an abhorrent thought and that she was safe and at peace, but this is a stunning turnaround. He told the Inquirer he regrets the decision to stop the autopsy again for being overlooked by the coroners, and he can't stand the thought of not having closure. He is open to the body being exhumed and he is thankful wow. for the DA for opening this cold case. I mean, Nancy, as you would say on your top rated former HLN show, that is a bombshell that John Bonet's uh, father, John Ramsey, is prepared to exhume his daughter's body in the hopes that they might find new clues. I think it's huge. I mean, I think that it's huge because I can tell you this, it would pain me greatly. If my fiance that was murdered shortly before our wedding's body was exhumed, or God forbid, I can't even put those words together regarding my father who passed away. Exhumation. I don't want that. But you know what? The fact that John Ramsey is ready and agrees to that process regarding John Bonet, I think it speaks volumes as to his innocence. May I, Nancy? Let me explain something to people that don't understand about autopsies that are 20 years old. First of all, you'll have skeletal remains. You're not going to have any kind of skin factor that is going to be of any use. I don't care who you are, Michael Bodden, anybody. You will not get out of that uh, out of that autopsy anything that was on that skin because the skin will be gone. Bo, is there no evidence potentially that the burn marks may have gone through the flesh, damaged any bone of a stun gun for such a small child? Let me address the burn marks. Law enforcement has stated that they perceived burn marks. And they may be burn marks of some other nature, but they do not fit. Those burn marks do not fit the distance of the, you would find regarding a stun gun. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that, that it was not a stun gun. It's, it's an urban legend. It's yeah. actually it's something they had to investigate, and I, I'm glad they did, but it was not a stun gun. Nancy, do you agree with me with the autopsy being now 20 years old of any kind of skin factor being decimated as far as evidence? Skeletor, uh, the skeleton, absolutely. If they, you know, the crushed skull, absolutely. My point is anything that was on the skin is going to be gone. I'm not completely sure of that. Um, I think it's a a very strong likelihood. I know that certain samples have been saved over all the years from the autopsy. It won't depend strictly on the body when it's exhumed. And remember, it was subjected to the embalming process, which will also have an effect on the outcome.
Right, but you know what? I really believe that if the father wants to go along to, to let us not exhume the body as far as with the evidence that was collected, again, that was not done in the greatest as far as collecting evidence and all that. I don't know how that was done. If it was done properly, you know, when the father took the little girl, brought up away from where she was actually murdered. So there's a lot of things there. I don't know how conclusive the investigation truly was because – they did take, they did do the autopsy. I read the autopsy report. I would think they would take specimens, but that's something that I guess they can look at. But do they have enough to get any other uh, evidence out of it? I don't know. So, Bo, are you against exhuming the body? I, I'm not against anything. I exhume the body. But I don't think that you're going to get the, uh, the silver bullet from exhuming the body because, as I said, the skin is, is going to be finished. There'll be no skin. There'll be, there'll be skeletal remains, and that's what you're going to have in there. You know yourself, Nancy, you ever dig up a body after 20 years? You know what you have there? You got skeleton. Well, the body was also embalmed. So there's going to be more uh, for soft tissue than you would expect. Of course, after 20 years, not so much. But again, there are samples that were taken by the medical examiner that can be used. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Just one other development on this, and this was in a, a jaw-dropping interview just a few weeks ago that the National Enquirer undertook with Charlotte Hay, an 85-year-old woman who broke her silence for the first time to finger her unhinged ex-husband, a man who was a suspect at one point in the case, a man by the name of Glenn Meyer, as John Bonet's murderer. Let's take a listen to some audio of her talking to Doug Montero. I believe my husband killed John Bonet. When I asked him if he murdered John Bonet, he would smile and he would not say yes or no. He, he, would, he would just not, not answer you. It probably made me feel like maybe he was guilty and all along I thought that, that he did it and I think my family thought he did too. He seemed to be obsessed with John Bonet's murder. Now, Charlotte married Glenn Mayer in 1960 but left him in 1966. They were on and off for decades thereafter and they reconnected before John Bonet's murder. At the time of the murder, Glenn Mayer was secretly living in the basement of a home across the street from the Ramseys in Boulder, Colorado. And according to Charlotte Hay, he built a shrine to the slain child using pictures and newspaper clippings. And in another stunning development, his handwriting matches the ransom note found in the Ramsey home and cops, as I said, considered him a suspect. Now, we also reached out to John Bonet's father, John Ramsey, about Glenn Mayer, and he told the National Enquirer that Mayer turned up at the house uninvited when the family hosted a party on December 23, 1996, two days before the murder. He says, quote, Yes, Glenn Mayer was a person of interest at some point. I do recall him coming to our door the night of our family Christmas party, which was just before Christmas. I don't remember why. Up to that point, we did not know who he was and why he was living across the street in the basement. Nancy and Bo, Glenn Mayer was cleared by Boulder Police as a suspect. But this woman, courageously coming forward, sheds new light on this case. Could it be that Glenn Mayer's DNA was botched that exonerated him? I think it's um, speculative at best. 
if the, the Boulder police were trying desperately, well, the DA's office was anyway, desperately trying to turn attention away from the family, okay? So I think they would have investigated anybody outside the family very thoroughly. I have a problem thinking it's him because there was no evidence of a break-in of any sort. And I don't think this guy was sophisticated enough to do the crime and not leave a fingerprint behind. So everyone's exonerated. Nancy, I have tremendous respect for you. You're a great detective. What is your theory? What is your theory right now? That whoever did this has to be smart enough to wipe away every trace of themselves in the home. They have to be a, a phantom that can break in and get out undetected, unseen, in a very upscale home. I do not go along with the intruder theory for those reasons. And we know one thing, right, Nancy? There was the paintbrush that was broken in half that was used for the garage. Am I correct? Yes. Right. And there was one other thing. In the autopsy report, was there shavings of wood in the little girl's vagina? Was there not the hymen being broken? I'm talking about irritation on her vagina. There was irritation, and that had been documented, to my understanding, in previous doctor's visits, and it had been, according to reports, attributed to her using bubble bath. There are some strange events surrounding this very mysterious case that continue to make headlines and raise passionate questions about this murder as it has on All Rise, the podcast. Fascinating discussion. James Robertson from the National Inquiry, thank you for your time. Bo Dietl, the homicide detective, New York's toughest cop. Thank you very much for your passionate analysis. And to Nancy Grace from Grace versus Abrams on A&E and from the website crimeonline.com, one of my favourites. Thank you very much for your time and joining us on All Rise. Thanks, guys. Bo Deedle, I'll see you later, hey, young Nancy, man. Nancy, I'm no Dan Abrams. I'm Bo Deedle, a real detective. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye, honey.